Hey, it's Brian Buford from the Employee Success Center at the University of Louisville. And I love nothing more than helping people find meaning and purpose in their jobs. So join me here to talk about how we can make each day at the office a great experience and learn from the stories of amazing people who are leaning into their gifts and talents, all to help you be your best self at work. This is the Employee Success Podcast. Well, hello, listeners. You know, I've been working in higher education for over 35 years now, and I will tell you, I've learned a lot along the way, but one of the things that I've learned about being successful in this field is the importance of building great relationships. Um, Of course, it's important that we have all the technical skills and the academic preparedness that we can do the job, um, that we, uh, you know, we know our field, But more than any other thing, I think uh, building a great relationship and building a network of folks that we can call upon uh, is really one of the keys to success. And so today we're going to talk about networking um, and we have two amazing uh, networking experts here to join us today. I'm excited. Uh, uh, Dr. Quante Taylor. Welcome, Quante. Thank you. Glad to be here. And Dr. Glenn Giddings. Welcome, Glenn Giddings. Thank you. Very happy to be here. We are excited to have this conversation. Let me tell you a little bit about them, and then we'll jump in here. Uh, Dr. Quante Taylor is the Executive Director of Student Involvement at UofL, and he oversees the out-of-classroom experiences for all students and serves as a member of the leadership team for the Division of Student Affairs. Quante has taught courses in leadership theory, organizational development and educational law. And he did his doctoral work in educational studies with a concentration in higher education administration from Ohio state. Quante is an, an avid movie enthusiast, a traveler who tries to get to two new countries a year. I want to hear about that today. Uh, I want to hear about the countries you've been to and an active and financial member of his fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity Inc. So we're glad you're here. And then a uh, long, longtime friend of mine, Dr. Glenn Giddings, currently serves as the chief of staff for the School of Medicine here at UofL and has spent the last 20 years in higher education and the nonprofit sector um, uh, with experiences at multiple institutions and organizations. He's a published higher education author, a consistent, longstanding affiliate faculty member, for UofL's College of Education in both the higher ed uh, administration program and college student personnel. Uh, Glenn's been at UofL for 15 years, and he and his spouse, Jennifer, have two daughters, 11 and 9. Welcome. Yeah, I'm glad you all are both here. So listen, guys, we're talking about uh, today this uh, idea of networking and starting to think about what that means. So I, I wonder if you can get us get us rolling here because I think I have a, a an idea about networking that's probably very antiquated. You know, I think about like exchanging business cards and going to work cocktail parties, like hoping to talk to, you know, the boss or something. And so help us out here, get us started. Um, what are we talking about when we talk about networking? Well, I actually remember when you asked about this podcast, I said, well, first off, we're going to talk about networking. Then 
we need to bring two people who've networked together instead of one person. So that's where I uh, suggested Quante. So I, I think of it as ways, and networking can have a connotation. Like I think one of my early jobs was with Junior Achievement and I had to go to these networking monthly meetings and they felt forced. Uh, and that's what I think of sometimes. So it really, I see it as connecting. It's finding ways to create synergies. And in higher ed, it's trying to break down structured silos, but really it's about building relationships. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. I think that you mentioned exchanging business cards. I was at an event this past weekend and I gave someone my business card. He goes, I haven't seen one of those in about 10 years. And I <laughs> said, right. all right, here we go. That's where we are. That's um, right. I think it's every interaction. Like I think small scale, large scale is an opportunity to network. Um, I was traveling back and was in the airport in Baltimore and sat next to a guy at the TGI Fridays and we started a conversation and he, uh, he, made, he owns a rum distillery. So we talked about rum and then in the mail because he got i gave him my business card i got a sample kit of his rum and in that conversation it was just we were sharing burgers at the tgi fridays and that's how it came in so i think any opportunity is a form of networking i think the goal of the networking is what shifts whether we're walking to a meeting whether you're in the airport whether you're going to a conference every opportunity is to connect to learn um and to think about what those opportunities for collaboration are yeah, I, you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about sort of those old ideas of networking were really with an agenda, like mm-hmm. exchanging yes. business cards with, with an agenda mm-hmm. to get something or to, you know, to position yourself in some way. And you're saying um, really it happens in all kinds of encounters um, with probably no agenda. Absolutely. I think it's the conversation. I think it's the connection piece. I think sometimes before I make the ask with the agenda, if I can connect to you at a personal level, that yeah. makes it easier when starters play soccer. Like if that's a connection that I can make, or I know that he has an admissions background, like there are parts of that that play into our relationship. Um, so that network shifts yeah. if, oh, I need this. Oh, Glenn has that in his background. We can make that happen. And I know I can bounce off Quante. We both have done event planning and programming. So what do you think about this? I'm thinking about this. Can you help me like... But uh, the other piece of that, too, um, the relationship piece, when I think of school medicine, one of the things we're doing is um, with SMART program, which is uh, school medicine advancement, retention and training, what we're hearing directly from the 900 plus staff is similar to what he's saying is the ability to connect, yes, build relationships, understand one another. It's such a, a, a varied experience that any of those staff members can have. And before you could ever figure out how to connect um, work-wise... You want to be able to have um, an engagement opportunity within uh, the workplace opportunity. So I think it is that evolution to beyond a, a very transactional, intentional, agenda driven to let's build the relationship and see if there are opportunities mm-hmm. professionally and personally to, to connect. Yes. You know, my whole career has been in, in higher ed, so I have a, a skewed perspective. I know you've worked in the private sector. I wonder what you all think. Is it um, especially important do you think in higher ed, um, this idea of building relationships? I, I think absolutely, especially cross campuses. I've only ever worked at large public um, institutions, and we have a tendency to uh, build silos or, or be somewhat insulated sometimes. Um, and those relationships, I think, can help break down. Uh, abilities to connect the larger good of the institution, but abilities to solve a problem, a solve, and you know, create create a better service for a student, connect faculty and staff in a different way. Um, 
reaching across those divides yes. and, and understanding it's it's critical i think for mm-hmm. us moving forward critical yeah i couldn't imagine doing my job without relationships yeah like i think that i get to do some very i and my team get to do some very interesting programs but it requires relationships with physical plant with the student activity yes. centers with finance with legal counsel on those type of things um but even one of my philosophies like i don't believe in recreating the will so to be able to call someone at nc state or duke or ohio state to be like hey i know you've had this artist or i know you've done the outside skating rink before or you've done the hot air balloon um like those random things are like what were those processes and to be able to exchange a quick text or um engage in a 30-minute conversation that spirals on to so many topics is a part of that like i'm not successful because of what i do and when i teach and work with students is i'm like we get to take credit for this event but there's 50 people behind the scenes that you know who you don't know yeah. that you've been yeah. able to touch and have made this event possible. So to think about those people. I mean, our first thing that you know, I used to be the director of the Student Activity Center. Quante mm-hmm. came to us uh, in student involvement, and and one of the first, first week or two, mm-hmm. we we just did a walk around campus uh, to help him acclimate and event planner automatically kicks in from him to say, <laughs> "What about this space?" And I was like, "Ooh, that's somewhat of an untouchable like." event space and and this is why i i think we became uh, connected so quick to each other he just said but why yeah. and that challenged me that challenged me and that that i sat with that for a little while um and then came back to him and said i i don't have an answer as to as to why not let's explore the possibility mm-hmm. of the why which meant bringing in those relationships right why can't this be touched let's talk to campus grounds let's understand is there a certain impact is there underground drainage? Is there a specific side? What is it that is not allowed to connect there? And that created and fostered and developed, and then boom, we did um, an event there. And that, I think, really spurred us to then start looking at, what yeah. about this? Like, the, the, the possibilities <laughs> then open up. But all that came from intentionally trying to build a relationship with yes. someone new and helping to acclimate them and welcome them to campus, and then having the the willingness or the, I guess the guts to ask a question, mm-hmm. why? Right, right. So so networking. So really thinking about this concept of networking is I love your I love this as a definition. Intentionally building a relationship that helps you move a, an idea forward, a project, maybe your own. You know, it could also be about mm-hmm. our own growth, of course. Yeah. I love that. So um, I'm curious, you all are well established in your careers and known, known as successful folks. Do you look back at a point earlier, think about yourself earlier in your career where you, you realized that networking was going to be one of those tools you would call upon to grow and succeed? For the record, Glenn is 10 years older than I am, so we're not the same length of time in our careers. So I want the record to reflect that piece. Let the transcript reflect my age starts with 40s, his starts with 30s. Yes, so just for the record. You're going to be digging further back into history. I have a larger wealth of experience is what he's saying. So to that end, I can look back to my early experiences when I started in admissions, both at WKU and here at UofL. And to be able to be successful, what I learned in admissions is you've got to build those relationships across the campus. If I'm going to help a 
student and their family or a principal, a guidance counselor, a community be more connected, more understood, more uh, ingrained at this institution, then I've got to understand this place. I've got to know who to talk to about the geography program or can they do an internship here or what does the residence hall specifically look like? What kind of parking do we have? All of those are different people that yeah. you need to eventually build relationships with. So, yes, admissions really is what I, I always recommend uh, uh, anyone new to higher ed. Like admissions is a great start. You have to touch everything. You have yeah. to know a little bit about a lot. Sure. Yeah. Um, and that's fostered my opportunity to start. I think it's there somewhat innately in me to build intentional connections. But that role specifically. And then when you look over those relationships, I still connect with former admissions counselors. We always joke because um, you have a territory. Um, you have a territory that you travel with other admissions counselors from other schools, um, and you build a, a great relationship with those other schools. And one of those is Dr. Dwayne Compton, who's currently a chief diversity officer at School of Medicine. But we knew each other when he was at Berea and I was at Western. Oh, wow. And then fast forward in admissions, we came to U of L in admissions together, yeah. and we've taken a stair step of our careers. Um, and now we're together down at the School of Medicine, and it's those connections um, that have built relationships throughout the state, throughout the region, that we had a great chat, uh, maybe over Christmas, uh, with someone um, at who was at Thomas Merton, but is also doing high school guidance counseling and wanted to talk broader about student engagement in the college uh, exploration choice. We connected with that person from 15 years ago. Because of relationships, because we still we still talk, we still network. Wow, and a, just a little gem of uh, wisdom here, I think, to carry forward the relationships you make today, those networking opportunities today. You never know when they're going to come back to serve no, you. Absolutely not. Fifteen uh, years later, yeah, who knew? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm meeting people almost what a year and a half into my role at school of medicine, and that's a broad one. That the, the need. To connect there is ever more important because we serve students, residents, fellows, faculty, staff. We work with hospital systems. We work with alumni. We work with community. We come to multiple campuses to do different things. So when you talk about the value of relationship building and connecting, that's valuable. But then I'm seeing people that I've known for 15 years at Belknap that went down to HSE who are, who are fantastic yes. to, to get the lay of the land, to understand who to talk to, to all the way down to the basics of, you know, where, where's the where's the best spot to grab lunch? How about you, Quante? Do you uh, you're uh, going back a decade <laughs> less <laughs> in time, but can you think sort of early in your uh, your higher ed career, recognizing that networking was going to be an important tool for you? Yeah, I think about it two ways. I think about it personally and professionally. So personally, I remember being a presidential host at my undergraduate institution and we were hosting a reception um, and he was running late for some reason. So we were making small talk with students and stuff that were there and mingling with families in that moment. And those conversations ended up having my first internship in college because I had met the dad of a prospective student and we were talking about my interest in educational policy and he worked in educational policy. So I ended up working with him that summer. So I think about just to be able to go around and mix and mingle and make small talk and find connections of, oh, I know that high school because I was in marching band and those type of things. It landed up to getting my career track on where it is now. Yeah. Um, so I think about that moment. I think um, I didn't work in admissions, but I worked in campus programs at a relatively large institution, Ohio State. Um, and being an urban institution, we were landlocked. 
So when we wanted to do events, it required us to get very creative. So Glenn mentioned earlier in his story that I go to a space, I'm like, oh, this is an event space, what can I do in here? <laughs> um, but then knowing that my network wasn't there, but I had relationships with folks who had those opportunities right. and, and could put me into contact or do an introductory email or was willing to expand their social or, and or cultural capital to open a door to say, oh, Quante, I believe in him. Thus, he, I think we can pull this yes. off. It's just really uh, beneficial for me. We needed to use a city park for an outdoor concert, which was interesting because there was a hotel parking lot next to it on city land with a residence hall. So there were four <laughs> different dynamic groups working in that and just being able to call on different folks and use our networks and our our relationships to be able to do that is one of the things I was like, this is fun. It's yeah. chess, not checkers, yeah. especially when you're playing the long game and thinking about um, we may not be doing this right now, but two years from now, this is going to be an issue or something that we're going to have to address. So how do we begin to lay that foundation? And I definitely think that's something in the higher education field is Sometimes your issue is not going to be on first, but knowing that I champion student involvement, I know Glenn will champion at the medical center. I know Leandro will champion at the cultural center. I know that there are those folks out there. So if I'm not in the room, I know there are other champions out there will know what, oh, Quante would respond this way. And thus that message is getting carried on. Oh, that's incredible. And and to tag on to that, just to realize that when you look back over a a longer career versus a Mm -hmm. shorter career, um, where folks went yeah. that you worked with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can look at to, to the point of who do I need to connect with? Well, I've got uh, Nikki and Amanda over in alumni relations. I've got Tom over in uh, speed school. I've got Mike over in financial aid. I've got Jeff down over in reach. Like the, everyone has gone to different areas. And, yeah. and if, if you've built a good relationship, there are folks that you can call on, that mm-hmm. you can connect to, to say, hey, help me understand this piece, or I'd like to build a, a bridge here and build a new program or build a collaboration. Um, how can we help? How can we figure that out? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, guys, we um, have spent a lot of time here on the podcast talking about our commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging that, you know, a really important theme here at UofL. And so I, I want to be thoughtful about that as we talk about a concept like networking, are there different considerations? Are there challenges for marginalized folks, folks of color, LGBT people? Are there, you know, do you imagine a different approach to networking if you're, you're in an identity that's marginalized or how do, how do you all think about that? Yeah. I mean, wholeheartedly, um, I serve on the national board for a conference on race and ethnicity. And in that conversation, you begin to think about all the identity markers that come in that. And I remember my first time walking into the boardroom and I stood there and I was like, I'm the youngest person in this room by 15 years. Um, I was the only black male in the space. So just the degree of comfort and confidence and the things that go through your head in that probably five seconds in real time, but it feels like an eternity of your processing that information is real. So just to be able to think about this, I think it's definitely different about what's going on. And I think as we see the browning of our student populations and the U.S. demographic as a whole, we have to be able to address that. Um, And I think that's where mentoring matters. I think it's important to be able to go through and be like, 
oh, I'm inviting students into this space. So what coaching do I do with that? Or I see a newer professional who's a director who's been here for two weeks. How do I be like, hey, come on over, let's walk you around that type of spot because that matters. Because we see folks coming in and we think that, oh, everyone can do this. And I think it's also interesting and something that I struggle with as a programmer is that we think that large events are for everyone and people will be able to mix and mingle. What we don't talk about are the social anxieties that come with that. So how do I... There are 300 of us in this room. Here are the 10 people that you know to need to help make you comfortable in that. That's right. So I think that the emotional piece that goes with that. But definitely as a minority, I have gone into rooms on this campus and I was like, I'm the only black person in this room. And this is fascinating that at an institution where we talk about principles of diversity, equity, inclusion, we still have spaces where this hasn't been called out and how are we being intentional with that? Um, And then how do you insert voice into those spaces as well Mm -hmm. to say this is an issue? And... um, I don't want to say an issue, it's an opportunity for us to be able to address that of, are we putting our actions in congruence with what we say? Um, so I definitely think it's skill. I think networking looks different if you put the cultural tie into it. I think we can go black tie tables up lighting in the sack versus I'm going to the groove bar down the street for some appetizers and stuff. And that's a great networking opportunity. So you get age, you get culture, you get gender things in that as well of how you approach and look at that, those opportunities. And, and you can look at intentional allyship and connection to to um, wor- I, I work intentionally um, with Lisa down at the HSC LGBT Center um, to be that connector. I, I, she's new to the campus, not new to U of L, mm-hmm. but new to that campus. Right. Um, we've had a long-standing relationship over our time. Um, I understand many of the events she's trying to run, the programs, the needs, the uh, sensitivities to some of the things that she's doing. Um, and therefore, I can help make the connection she needs to make that program run smoothly. Whether that's where is a room that is best suited for exactly what I'm seeking, not just a general room, what's a specific room, where can I have intentional parking or things to that effect. So being intentional in that way um, to assist. And then I, you learn along the way. You talk, I mean, I think we both talk so much about event programming because we've done so many different things. Um, when 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 I ran Welcome Week with Katie, uh, my my coworker, you know, we learned so much of um, what we needed to intentionally think about uh, for ADA accessibility for so many other pieces, so that you think of it in advance without having to have someone call you out that you didn't think about it, and so that it's not their burden. That that you should think everything we are running right. should have access should have the ability, um, no matter what uh, walking ability you have, you should be able to access and come into that. No matter what comfort level, whether it's anxiety or so many other things that you may have, we should have other opportunities, um, whether it be uh, other sensory needs. And I remember one of our grad assistants, Kyson, specifically said, we're going to do a wallflowers room during Welcome Week, and it's just adult coloring pages and other things that effect. And soothing quiet music and it was a huge hit yeah so it's thinking about all those different types of things uh and being the best intentional ally you can be in just connection but also in structure that you're building out Mm -hmm. with programming and events i love that glenn i think it's always thinking about who's not in the room so when we think about making networking opportunities accessible to other people available to other people and i'm sure we can all think of examples when key people weren't in the room. We're all 
male identified folks. So um, I hear lots of stories from women and female identified people about not being ever asked to the table, mm-hmm. not being invited in. So that's a, so that means networking has an, has an added challenge. It also means that we have an added responsibility as allies. I think you're saying to make sure those allies and as administrators, like we have to be mindful of that, of, Oh, I'm including this, or I'm doing this happy hour or whatever. Who else is in that? Oh, I'm inviting Glenn. Glenn's going to be the only white male there. What does that mean for him? Okay, cool. Quant is going to be the only black male there. How do you do that? So I think oftentimes you think about the intentionality it has to take to be a good administrator, a good supervisor, and putting folks in that spaces, but make sure they feel comfortable in those spaces and or feel supported in that. Um, something that I do if, I, if I'm if I'm building a program list, I'm like, who's going to be who's going to be their pairs? So like, if we're doing dynamic duos or whatever, like I know Glenn can talk to Dwayne, I know Brian can talk to like, and, and you begin to play those opportunities that if something goes wrong, they have a comfort person in that. Um, and if you can't do that, then we have to think about that process differently. And we're even building it because we we both uh, teach a capstone course, a section of a capstone course. Uh, he's new to it. I've brought him into that course and looking at even the videos, the contents, you know, things of that effect that have been built over time, uh, but needed a lens. Uh, mm-hmm. They've needed a refreshed lens, I think. So it applies in so many different ways. Absolutely. Well, I'm aware, you know, that um, networking today might be different than it was two years ago. Um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are about the pandemic, of course, this, you know, big shift in the way we interact and uh, do business at a, at a university. Do you think networking is different today than it was a couple of years ago? Is it just the, the, the mechanics of it or has the nature of networking changed? I might take one aspect of this and I have this feeling that Quante will take a different aspect of it, but <laughs> I think at its core, we need it even more. So that didn't change the need to connect with colleagues. Actually, I think that became even more important. Uh, the vehicles have altered, um, whether that's Teams, Zoom, Google Meets, or text. Um, I mean, that is a, a, a huge opportunity, text or group me or however it may be to, to make that. That's a different way mm-hmm. uh, maybe of seeing it as networking, as texting networking. And it is uh, yeah. because you're building a relationship, you're sharing links to different things that affect. Um, I do think it's important. I look at, um, at when COVID hit, I was a director of a student activity center. Everything was unknown. Every aspect of running a student center, are people allowed in this building? Yes, no. If they are allowed in this building, how are they allowed <laughs> in this building based on the right. rapidly changing day by day requirements? How am I gonna figure this out? So I built a COVID uh, support network of other institutions in the state with student unions, and we figured it out together because the governor mandates were going to be the same things we all had to figure out. That was a huge connection. Mm -hmm. It was team space. We weren't physical, but we could really work through like, okay, here is what we created for a, we think, safe um, dining COVID plan. Yeah. What do you think? And use this as needed. That built a really good network. In fact, it actually snowballed into one of the members of that. Um, after I went down to the School of Medicine, she became the first female director of the Student Center here at U of L. Through networks and relationships, knew that that opportunity was available and went after it. So, yes, I, I do believe it. It has changed, 
but the value is there. And one other piece, leadership and roles in higher ed can be lonely. Um, I think COVID really exposed that, but that was always there. Um, because I, I intentionally, I intentionally have lunch, coffee, other things with so many different folks, because that's what it, it hit home to me. That personally, we share a lot of same things, whether it be that uh, one individual I have coffee with um, has daughters just like me. One individual has just like-mindedness that we connect to over so many different things, whether it's career or other personal things. Uh, and that has been something I've been much more intentional about as we are um, in our next evolution of what COVID is and how it looks right. like to us. Uh, it, it reinforced to me that this is lonely. And if you don't intentionally reach out, you're just going to be in that loneliness together or by yourself. And there are other people that probably could benefit in that as well. And that's reach out. Yeah. Well done. I'm proud of Thank you. That was good. That was good. I'm proud of you. You're doing well out here. Um, I, I definitely think it is. I think I echo Glenn's comments on um, during the pandemic, being a professional whose job it is to create connection made it very mm-hmm. difficult to be able to do that of space, Zoom, yes. Teams. But again, like I said earlier, I don't believe in recreating the will. So there were a group of 10 colleagues that did this work. But every day at 830, we would have a text message or a phone call of like, here's what's going on. Here's what changed. Here's what's happening. Or had you seen this? Or, hey, have you worked with this company to do that? Um, those pieces. So, I, so I, I definitely value with that. I definitely think going back to the first point that you made, Brian, is the no agenda part of connection yeah. that the pandemic gave us. Mm-hmm. Because it immediately became, what are you watching on Netflix? What's yes. going on? Or, hey, yeah. we're all ordering yeah. this bottle of wine to be yes. able to have that shared experience where we'd historically go to a wine tasting together. Yeah. So I think it balanced that out. I also think it humanized the profession mm-hmm. because I had to get used to doing a Zoom meeting with dog, child, partner <laughs> yes. coming in the background. And we forget the about that. backgrounds, yes. So, right. so, 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 right. I, so I think about that. So I think the pandemic, one made things challenging, but two, it lifted us to think about the people behind doing the work. And I think that's something that is completely lost in what's going on. Um, I think it's also just a, what is that? Text is definitely a way of networking, whether it is, I see this movie, are you watching this game? Oh my God, he missed that field goal. Like there are so many parts that come yeah. up with, or random jokes on the Twitter or things like that that come out yeah. of, of what happens. So I definitely think that because that maintains that relationship. Um, I think as you talk about networking, there is the beginning of the relationship, but that maintaining part is also. Um, for me, I teach my staff and my students that you don't only talk to a person when you need something. So for me, it's what is their birthday? Mm. What is their work anniversary? Mm. Do you send that thank you card? What is that random thing of, oh, I'm trying on this um, pair of shoes right now and Glenn makes fun of me in my shoe choice. So like, I know we can joke about that. Or we're talking <laughs> about a rockery. <laughs> we, we talk about a rock. These are great ones, actually. Those you, I'm you checking out your shoes now to see what's yeah. going on and down there. It's one of those things. He hates my black pair. But like, but, but, it is, but, but like that's the relationship that part. Like we can joke about anything. Um, one of the things I joke about my friends Fraternities. We talk about life. We talk about love. We talk about experiences, and that's relationship. Of yeah. I applied to be a director to the shop for the first time, but I had nine people in my network that already worked in higher education. Talk me through this. What mm-hmm. questions should I be answering? 
And I moved in the middle of a pandemic. So that was Zoom. It was a phone call. It was text messages of this interview's happening tomorrow. I am nervous right now. Here's my list of questions. What was going on? Who's not in this meeting? I remember I hopped on the first interview and this guy gave me a hard time. And it was like, here's what's happening. So <laughs> as we navigate those spaces, like that turns into the so what of what's going on. And then we we went through a pandemically infused welcome week together. Mm-hmm. He jumped wow. in. He didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Student, you know, he's, he's student involvement. He didn't he, he could have his pieces within it mm-hmm. and could have just done that. But he said, you know what? I'm, I'm in. He's yes. he went all in with us and, and was there. I've got a picture of us. A selfie after midnight after a movie event on a lawn like mm-hmm. yeah. we figured that out together um and and that was empowering yep. because it can be lonely yes. yes so that was i knew he was new mm-hmm. we were figuring things out that no one understood mm-hmm. uh, we were actually trailblazing most of it yep. so that people could then copy and use uh, at the university of how to run events yep. essentially is what we were doing because showing up's a part of that like mm-hmm. i think for us like we were at a movie event but the conversations we had in lugging cases of water or being yes. able to <clears throat> what do you mean they don't have a check-in machine all right you jump on that golf cart i'm going <laughs> yeah. this way yeah. like but, yeah. but, that, but that's when that casual conversation happens of hey glenn i have the desire of serving as a chief of staff one day so i'm interested in talking about this or mm-hmm. facility management is not a part of this or I'm thinking about having kids. So we get to have yeah, those yeah, conversations yeah. of life, love, and careers, as, as mm-hmm. we say. Um, so I think sometimes showing up creates opportunities for the depth yes. of a relationship and a network to be expanded. Yeah, I sort of suspect it's the, um, you know, we had to be more intentional. And it's those casual, like, you know, passing in the hallway moments that didn't happen virtually as, as easily. You couldn't yeah. just... Um, mm-hmm you know, chat, um, without, you know, getting on the computer or mm-hmm. calling somebody yeah. out. You didn't have those like informal. And I think Glenn, you're so right. You know, um, this work can be lonely. Leadership can be a lonely place to be already. And then the pandemic probably took us further. So we were doing all the virtual happy hours and, um, lunches and because we all really want to be connected to each other. And we had to, we couldn't, it wouldn't happen without great intention around it. My my new favorite topic is to look at people's backgrounds. <laughs> Let's just see what's in the background of their Zoom or their their teams. In fact, you, uh, my my, I remember this. Brian uh, reached out to me in the background of the height of uh, COVID. My daughter had drawn a what she called a mermicorn, and so a mermaid and a unicorn combo. And Brian was just fascinated by it. And my daughter it. drew him a myrmicorn and we he gifted did. it to him. He so sure did. I love seeing people's backgrounds and ask them, like, what what is that back there? Why do you have that back there? Why is that? In, you've thought about it. Everybody's thought about mm-hmm. what is in their Zoom background. They've staged it exactly how they want it. That's so right. why is it there? <laughs> That's right. Bourbon is in the back of my That's right. <laughs> it was. Now, uh, rum. <laughs> now, no, rum's gone. The bourbon is back there. <laughs> Well, you, that leads us into like the next, my next question for you all are like, let's think about some suggestions for people, maybe some of your best tips for how to network. What, what are some things that people can do? Noticing what's in that background gives you some great launching questions perhaps, but what else do you all think in terms of, um, what can people do to start being better at networking? I'll start with one. We can bounce off this, so I'll go first. Um, When you can know who's in the room, 
I gotta do you gotta do your homework. Yeah. So like Brian, I appreciate you sending invitations to things that are happening, but I'm normally the one that's clicking on the invite. I'm like, okay, this is a faculty member. This person works here, just so you can you know that point, um, and that it happens in the public and private sector of oh, who's in here? What connections could we potentially have? So if you can do your homework and know who's in the room, who is that one or two people that I need to connect with of what's going on? Of like, oh, that's my counterpart in the speed school. Mm-hmm. Or this person is the vice president of the Urban League who does their educational initiatives. Knowing that I need to, no matter what happens at this event, I need to find these two people yeah. allows you to be strategic in how you navigate that space. I, I, you know, I'm going to use, uh, I joke all the time, uh, Guante has very cool fancy higher ed words i'm so i'm going to use some higher ed quante words uh i would look vertically and horizontally at your organization and locally regionally nationally Mm. who is it you want to be who is it you think is important don't be afraid to reach out to them one lesson i learned all the way back into grad school at western i i thought at one point in time i wanted to be a college president i learned i was just fascinated by college presidents but I reached out to the president at that time um, and said, I know this is crazy, but can I get 20 minutes of your time and understand your role? And he said, yes. And he said, yes, three more times. And then he said, go talk to others. And I did. So VPs and deans and other folks, I that was a life lesson that I still use today um, and, and just reach out to people yeah. and connect the school medicine Chief of Staff at the University of Kentucky. I reached out to him to understand how they do things. We built a monthly chat session. Wow. Like reach out and connect. And and the other thing that I would say for me is to listen. And this is hard sometimes. I, I wanna I'm always sometimes thinking in my head, like, what's the next thing I'm gonna say while he's talking? Um, listen. You know, one of my favorite quotes is um, one of the best ways to persuade persuade others is with your ears mm. by listening to them. Try to pause, try to slow yourself down, listen to what they're saying. Uh, Don't always formulate your next statement before they've even finished talking. Um, I'm very guilty of that. So it's not a a do as I do, it's a do as I say. Don't you find, Glenn, I think um, looking vertically and horizontally around the organization, don't you find that just about everybody appreciates being asked, wants to tell their story, whether it's the president or whether it's, you know, an incoming freshman student, everyone has something to offer and, and really wants to share it. I think, um, I had a similar experience. I was mentoring a young staff member here who said, um, our past president, Dr. Ben Deputy was her hero. And I said, have you ever told her? And she said, no, I've never met her. I just would die. And I said, well, okay, that's going to be our goal. Let's get you on. Let's get mm-hmm. you on the schedule. Mm-hmm. If, if she works here, you can have a <laughs> yeah, conversation yeah, yeah, with yeah, your yeah, hero. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, she'll never. She doesn't have time. She would never. Um, but of course, she made time. She was flattered that someone um, admired the work that she had done, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. When I read, you know, I've taught for a decade, so I also offer the opportunity to talk to uh, those grad students. And that's the first thing I say when they ask, like, don't be afraid to ask. Mm -hmm. People love to, because higher ed especially, there's not a direct path every time to where you got to this role. Never is there a perfectly prescribed path. There are similar, if you want to be a director of housing, there are pieces that make sense. If you want to be in Greek life, there are pieces, but oftentimes we bridge over to different areas. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learned that quickly. 
they love to talk about how they got where they got to because it was so sometimes unplanned or different. So that's my big challenge, that, that and be intentional. Yeah. Put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. It's, it can be scary. I think knowing how to take up space and like what that looks like mm-hmm. and knowing that I'm going to be here and what's your conversation starter. So I intend to yeah. wear an alpha lapel pin or I'm going to be the guy yeah. that wears a suit and converse today yep. because it's going to be a conversation starter. But that helps me be comforted. Like that's comfort to me. So knowing how if I'm going to show up, I'm going to do this. I hate small talk. It is one of the things that people that know me to my core know that I dislike it. So if I can find a deep level of connection with yeah. you, we can talk all day. But that elevator chat, that hi, how are you doing pieces are normally like the most stressful moments for me. But once you can find that connection piece of, oh, I see that you're Greek or where did you get those pair of shoes? Or mm-hmm. you saw that. It's so like being able to, to, to find those things is really important. I think that is the launching pad for so much. Well, to your point of uh, what you said earlier, learning the room and mm-hmm. learning things like know, know who you're connecting with. Like I know yeah. Quante, I know he went to the Ohio State. Um, so I had, you know, we had some leftover uh, Buckeye desserts in our office today. I brought him one because I knew that would be nostalgic for him. Like he would probably want one. They're very, very good, but I know it would also mm-hmm. make a make a connection uh, for him. So think about those things. Be intentional to just drop by to drop by yep. you know being on hsc now i intentionally come down to belknap i have to make it a goal to get down here for a reason but sometimes then i'll just drop in sack yep. then i'll just drop in over here to yep. say hello those are you don't always have to back to a point you don't always have to have agenda, agenda yeah. you know just yeah. do it yeah i was thinking like mentoring matters to this like i think for me it's how do you bring someone with you yes. so I'm in a position at the university where I get invited to a number of things. My thought as a as a professional is how do I set a student up for this? Um, so you get a plus one. K great. I love my girlfriend. All that can come. She hates those things. So it's easier for her if I bring someone else. But I have a student who's wanting to intern at this office. I'm going to bring that student as my plus one because I'm making those connections or, hey, I'm interested in being in this organization. Well, do you know that, hey, this person is a member of that? And sometimes it's just creating the opportunity for people to be able to shine. Um, I sit in this seat now and have opportunities like this because people gave me a chance. Um, And you'll get to the next seat because you made the relationships mm -hmm. to get the chance. And that's. Mm-hmm. I'm, t- I'm like I also think think creatively like I've created multiple network meetups based on structures of what I do like mm-hmm. so by type of campus um, I've done I've used to work in an admissions boot camp that brought new admissions counselors together from around the state to learn the job because it's a very specific type of job and we were non-institutional we could just like here's the basics yeah. um, I've done I've got a, there's a U of L chief of staff group that we come together um, there, I built a Kentucky Student Unions group where we talked about running student centers. I uh, built an ACC parent and family network. Mm-hmm. Um, I've built institutional collaborations, UK, U of L. You know, I know there's always the, ooh, the mm-hmm. but there are similarities in what we are doing within the state as yeah. as two of the largest drivers, and there are connection pieces that we can share. We can information yeah. share. And and just to like break that down for listeners, when you say you've built on you built these statewide networks, at the end of the day, what you did was you got people together, right? Like it sounds like I sent intimidating. One email. I sent one email right. and said, "Hey, y'all, this <laughs> is an issue that's coming up. Let's get can together. Can we find thirty minutes Are to tackle interested this? in a meeting? That's what yep. building a network. And it it is. can be public. It can be yep. private. It can be whatever small, yep. big, whatever your institution is. And most people it. said, "Yeah, 
Let's yeah. do Why it. haven't we done this before? Yeah. yeah. And it's changed, and it's going back to the pandemic. It started as a teams. Now we're doing an annual meeting in person. So mm-hmm. campuses are rotating. So you're getting outside of your comfort zone and being exposed to so much more. So absolutely. I absolutely love that. And being that. part of the ACC, a lot yep. of the ACC does have existing networks like that. I mean, you just came back from D.C., right? Yep. Our advocacy is on the Hill. So we had nine of the 14 institutions together. And when I looked around the room, five of the directors had all been there less than a year and a half. So mm-hmm. we're still new to this. So being able to have that support system matters. But we're in a text group now and talking about random things of, hey, our group experienced this. What advice did you yep. have? And again, yes. it continues to build that network. But he's also talking about bringing people along. I can still remember running a uh, collaborative uh, community service event at the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans with a gentleman named Spencer Scruggs. He was a student here. Mm-hmm. I Spencer, Spencer now yeah. is doing fantastic he, things in Disability Resource Center groups. And, and the con- the conversation was, hey, we're on a bus together with Florida's SGA. Yep. Talk, like intentionally talk about shared uh, interests, concerns, issues. And, and we had a great talk about higher education based mm-hmm. on that. And I look and see where he's gone. And it's just awesome to me to see that he flourished. He 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 found his niche, um, but Absolutely. it's helping foster those conversations. Absolutely, I love that. I love your idea of uh, bringing people as your plus one who might that might be an important point of connection for them. One of my favorite things to do, whether it's virtually or in person, is um, you know there are just times when I just think somebody shouldn't like you should know this person mm-hmm. that like oh you all yeah. need to know yeah. each yeah, other yeah, yeah, yeah. and just facilitating that, just making it happen. It's just me. Like it's like matchmaking yep. for <laughs> professionals and for friends. And I was out, I actually had dinner not too long ago with a couple guys and um, they've been friends forever. And I said, you know, I'm just curious, how did you all like meet and become such good friends? And they said, are you kidding me? Uh, you introduced us. Don't uh-huh. you remember? Like you said, <laughs> you all should get to know each other. I didn't remember at all. Uh-huh. And they went on and did like great things together as, as friends but it's that, you know, like just starting to pay attention. Who should Quante meet? Oh, man, he would love this person. Let me just make sure they get together. And that's research opportunity. That's conference yep. presentations. Yep. That's yeah. grant opportunities. Yeah. That's yep. mentors. That's internships. Like, mm-hmm. I think those those things come so many different ways of in involvement the work that we do. I can talk to one student that wants to go to law school. I have one that wants to do environmental policy. OK, great. Let's make those connections of what's going on and. I think that's our responsibility of we get to sit in some cool spaces. Our students put us in these chairs, so how do we make sure we create those memories for them? I was in D.C. this past weekend, and three of them had never been to the Library of Congress before. And the moment that they walk into the reading room and just the... Yeah. I was like, yep, uh-huh. And I was like, I remember my first time that happened, but it, it, but it is that yeah. surreal moment. So being able to make connections and think about experiences and opportunities that can change people's lives, like that's what we want to be able to do. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite, so this is old school again, um, old school networking. And my team at, at the Employee Success Center sometimes laughs that I spend all my salary on lunch. And that might be true. Uh-huh. I mean, this is marrying the things I love, good food and networking. And, you know, that old idea of like never eat lunch alone. Um, I really try to use my downtime, my, those opportunities, rather than sitting at my desk and answering emails, which maybe there are days that that's what I should do. I love, I mean, I love getting together over a meal with, with someone 
Um, I love to like book all my lunches out with just connecting with somebody that I don't know well, learning more about them, finding out what they are interested in and what they need, where they've traveled like you in the world. You know, those are all like, those are opportunities. And if you're, I mean, this is just not for everybody, but um, you know, if you're eating lunch alone in your office, you might be missing a chance uh, because a meal is a great way to build you a know, friendship. Funny aside, <laughs> and Quante still laughs at this sometimes too. I, I'm not a big coffee drinker, um, but connecting over coffee sometimes is easier. Mm-hmm. So I had to teach myself what I would like at, at <laughs> Starbucks or wherever. I literally combed the menu, tried to figure it out. Try, went without people, right. tested out. Okay, I do like that, or that's okay, or this, mm-hmm. and 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 I did. And now I know. Now I have an order. I still get confused at what the heck the name, the sizes are at Starbucks. I still don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he harasses me when I don't use the app uh, to make the purchase. But I then did a meetup uh, at Heine Brothers, and I, I didn't know their menu, and I was like. Oh, I should have studied this menu better to know like, so I've had, I've taught myself something that I know is a natural connection point mm-hmm. um, and it's easier sometimes to get a meeting over coffee than lunch. And I've, cause I've, I value the same thing you're saying, but yeah, it's just a funny aside. Well, that becomes a connection point. I'm not a beer drinker, but I've had community partners and donors be like, Hey, Quante, we made this beer so we can have this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. What beer did you get? Tell me about this IPA. What is a happiness mm-hmm. level? Like yeah. those type of things It adds to the, con- yep. yeah. <laughs> like it adds a level of conversation and connection point that's in there. Yeah. I'm like, right. all right, cool. So like, I know that I normally prefer an IPA over a lager. Great. That's a great starting point to be yeah. able to navigate those situations. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, guys, this is so helpful. Um, I hope it's inspiring for folks to really think about networking again, the importance, um, really starting to build those relationships and how it can move all of us forward. I really appreciate you both. Um, and, um, I have one more thing to do with you though, and that's okay. the speed round. All right, let's go. So, um, stress induce. This is easy. I'm just going to ask, I'm going to start a sentence. I'll ask each one of you to finish it. Um, And just whatever comes to mind. Okay. So the first one is, Glenn, we'll start with you and then Quante. Success is? Not done alone. It's contagious. Take the small wins and build a little momentum. Quante? Success is being proud of what you've done and wanting to do it again tomorrow. A great boss. Always starts with me. Okay. Empowering, empathetic, uh, provides resources, and those could be financial, those could be personal, professional, uh, to get success, develops employees, um, provides direction, but doesn't micromanage. Mm -hmm. Okay. A great boss is human, is um, present, and I let people define present, what what, what that looks like for them. And I would say a great boss is direct. I think that's important to be able to have direct conversations, whether good, bad, or indifferent. Great, great. Someone who inspires me. It's going to be hokey. I'm going to say it. My current dean, Dean Gansel, she's... That's not hokey. Yes, she's but seriously, like, In 20 years, I've never worked with someone 
that's as knowledgeable, thoughtful, impactful. She's mm. driven. She's caring. She's not afraid to tackle the impossible. Uh, but she's approachable. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and years ago, I said I said I started in admissions. I traveled very rural parts of Kentucky. She embodies the phrase I learned that she's good people. She is good people. I agree a thousand percent. I love that phrase, and when someone embodies it, I love to use it. Absolutely, yes. Quante, who inspires you? Um, I think I'm going to go two. I have a younger brother who just had a heart transplant at 23. So the fact oh. that that happened and where he is now, I was like, my life's not that bad. Like, there was a point in time that I didn't know if that was my last time I was going to see him. Like, yeah. I remember being in the room and he coded twice. So, like, I, I dealt with that. Um, professionally, I think at the Holy Trinity, Dr. Javon Adams Gaston, Dr. Gretchen Metzler, and Dr. DeAndre Moll, um, all showed me what it meant to be a professional, what it meant to be a mentor and a mentee, and what it meant to truly care about students. Wow. Thank you. Wow. The best job I ever had was? Over a long career in higher ed, I, it's hard to like pick one. I've, I've liked every stop. But I might go back to my early 15, age 15, 16. I worked at Hawaiian Shave Ice. Uh, if you ever had, you know, like now it's a Kona ice truck that people get, but a Hawaiian Shave Ice. And I'm telling you, mix uh, blue raspberry and green apple together and you will thank me. Ah, uh, good green apple berry. Okay. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, best job, again, number of one of opportunities, memory in higher education, being a skating car hop at Sonic. Um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed skating. Um, so me and my best friend would literally skate to work every day. So it was just an opportunity to hang out. So yeah, being a skating car hop was. So I can make the shave ices and you can deliver. I would happily deliver them. I still have, I still have my skates at my house from my first job. These are not the answers I was expecting (laughs) to hear from either one of you. Oh, you you need our professional answers as well. No, these are good. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. The last one. At my retirement party, I want people to say, mm-hmm. Glenn Giddings, what do you want people to say about you? They always felt that I was someone they could reach out to. Amazing. Yes. Dante? I want them to say he was there for me. And no matter what that looks like. Wow. Well, you have been here for us appreciate uh this a conversation with you all thank you so much thank you for having us absolutely this, this was good. good and thank you for being open to a, a tag team uh approach to it you all embody the importance of, of networking so i appreciate both of you being here no oh, thank you for the opportunity thank you for doing this like i think these are always fun things for us to be yeah. able to contribute and makes us think about our work differently and sometimes that's what we need the employee success podcast is part of the employee success center at the university of louisville Hosted by me, Brian Buford, Executive Director for University, Culture, and Employee Success. Produced by Laura McDaniels with assistance from Amber Corbin. You can find us at louisville.edu slash employee success or follow us on Facebook or Instagram at UofL Employee Success or Twitter at UofL EMPL Success. Till next time, thanks friends. Thanks friends.